Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. Could the party be finally over for Hunter Biden and his scams? Man. For many, many years, we all know, we all saw it, right? The guy is a criminal. And now finally, the Washington Post, well, if they write a story like this, it means that the walls just might be closing in on Hunter finally. Federal agency chargeable tax gun purchase case against Hunter Biden. Imagine that. Federal agents investigating President Biden's son, Hunter, have gathered what they believe is sufficient evidence to charge him with tax crimes and a false statement related to a gun purchase. All right. It would seem as though he's in big, big trouble. Kind of. Probably not. Maybe. You see, there's a silver lining here uh, for Hunter. See, the gun thing and taxes, that's probably the least of his wrongdoing. <laughs> I mean, it's serious, no doubt about it. For instance, we all know, I'm sorry, that he's a drug addict. Uh, and he got a gun. How did he get that gun? Here he is modeling it. <laughs> Nude, by the way. Uh, he got the gun by lying on a federal application, attesting that he was not a drug user when we all know, and according to his own memoir, yes, he was toking up and crack and all that stuff. It's very, very sad, and I do hope he's clean. But the real stuff is the work he did in other countries, possibly for other countries, against the interests of the United States. We still don't know the full scope of what went down in, say, Ukraine and several other countries. Uh, he was in China, uh, as well as, I believe, Kazakhstan, yes, and Romania. At one point, you know, Hunter brought a bunch of people to meet his father when he was vice president. We believe these individuals are from Kazakhstan, with whom he had business associations. We can only imagine what was the vice president doing there? And why did Hunter Biden seem to go to the White House every time he got back from an international trip? Uh, he was doing this stuff, folks. And 10% for the big guy and everything that Bob Alinsky has said. What about all that stuff? Well, what they're saying right now in the Washington Post, it doesn't seem to per pertain to these matters, to the laptop. Getting him on income tax? That's something, but there seems to be a lot more here. Just ask Tony Bobolinsky. <laughs> the FBI walked out on him for some reason, but it's still there. I was introduced to Joe Biden by Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. At, and a, at my approximately hour-long meeting with Joe that night, we discussed the Biden's history, the Biden's family business plans with the Chinese, with which he was plainly familiar, at least at a high level. After that meeting, I had numerous communications with Hunter, Walker, Gillier, and Jim Biden regarding the allocation of the equity ownership of Sinohawk. On May 13, 2017, I received an email concerning allocation of equity, which says 
held by H for the big guy. In that email, there's no question that H stands for Hunter, big guy for his father, Joe Biden, and Jim for Jim Biden. In fact, Hunter often referred to his father as the big guy or my chairman. On numerous occasions, it was made clear to me that Joe Biden's involvement was not to be mentioned in writing, but only face to face. In fact, I was advised by Gillian Walker that Hunter and Jim Biden were paranoid about keeping Joe Biden's involvement secret. <laughs> Tony Bobulinski, he's no internet troll, okay? He's a serious businessman who met with the Bidens, who worked with Hunter Biden. He knows what he's talking about, yet he's not being taken seriously by anybody, even though he's a serious man with serious allegations. Is Hunter off the hook on the big stuff? He just might be. We'll see. It's amazing. You know, only a year and a half into the Biden presidency, it looks like they may be on the verge of action against uh, Hunter Biden. Remember what they put the Trump kids through for years and years and years? All that investigation and nothing, nothing. Remember when they hauled Donald Trump Jr. up the Capitol Hill? I mean, has Hunter Biden ever undergone anything like this? Why do they treat him with such respect, such deference? And look what they did to the Trump children. Now, who's going to make the decision ultimately on Hunter Biden? <laughs> I have a feeling there's going to be a big political aspect to this. So Merrick Garland has tried to make it quite clear that, oh, this has nothing to do with me. This will all be the U.S. attorney's decision. And that person is David Weiss, said to be a fairly apolitical guy. Uh, we'll see what happens. At this point, though, Chris Clark, Hunter Biden's defense attorney, is screaming. He is so upset by all the leaks and he wants people to go to jail. Imagine that, the indignation that he's feeling after years and years of systemic, system-wide leaks against Donald Trump. By the way, Chris Clark, show you how swampy it all is. His law partner is actually married to Liz Cheney. Yes, his law partner is a guy named Perry, and he works at the same law firm. Isn't that kind of interesting? I think it's interesting. All right, we will see what happens in the meantime. Are we ready to legalize marijuana as a country? I mean, it seems to be happening. And we didn't have a significant debate about this, in my opinion. You can smell it everywhere. In the midterms, it's on the ballot, legalizing it for recreational use in places like Arkansas, Missouri, the Dakotas, Maryland. And it's already legalized for recreational use in, what, more than half the country? I mean, did we have a serious conversation about this? We did not. People are getting high. They don't know the first thing about marijuana. I know from firsthand experience, you don't want to do this drug. And Joe Biden, who's been a teetotaler his entire life, you know, he signed on for everything the left wants in order to be president. Well, they want this. First, I'm announcing a pardon for all prior federal offense, federal offenses for the simple possession of marijuana. There are thousands of people who are convicted for marijuana possession who may be denied employment, housing, or educational opportunities as a result of that conviction. My pardon will remove this burden on them. Second, I'm calling on all governors to do the same for state marijuana possession offenses. Third, the federal government currently classifies marijuana as a Schedule I substance, the same as heroin and LSD, and more serious than fentanyl. It makes no sense. So I'm asking the Secretary of Health and Human Services 
and the Attorney General to initiate a process to review how marijuana is scheduled under federal law. This is a big mistake. And the signal, I think, encourages essentially, it's de facto legalization, de facto legalization. And people are going to be smoking this stuff. You can't do it in Russia. You can't do it in China. Our adversaries have very strict prohibitions against this kind of stuff. Now, all of a sudden, we don't. We don't. Isn't that right, Joe? Too many lives have been upended because of our failed approach to marijuana. It's time that we right these wrongs. Too many lives have been upended by marijuana. It's dangerous stuff. I know everybody talks about, oh, medical marijuana. It's not approved by the FDA. Who wants this so badly, right? Who wants it? How did this happen? Uh, a long time and then all of a sudden, I think Barack Obama's into it. You know, Barack Obama, cool, aloof, Barack Obama, you know, he admitted to cocaine use and Maybe he's a habitual pot smoker. Who knows? He certainly liked it in his youth. Do you remember this? Yes, he did. And I wonder how many people are smoking in the uh, Biden cabinet? Because let's face it, this is a disaster. When you smoke pot, you get sloppy and stupid. All right. I know there are people out there who swear by this stuff. You don't know what you're talking about, in my opinion. We have had some pretty bad mistakes lately, right? I mean, I could totally see these guys smoking pot. What's going on overseas? What about when Joe made all nice and fist bumped that king or prince, MBS, whatever he is, and asked for more oil? What do we get? <laughs> An oil reduction. Two million barrels less per day. They did that. And now, guess what? Some Democrats in America are saying, well, we should withdraw all of our military forces. We should not cooperate them with them militarily, both Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. Oh, my goodness gracious. Do you know how important it is to have forces over there, right? This is all unraveling because Joe Biden is weak. It's, it's really happening. And does Pot have a role in this? I, probably not. But who knows? I do know he's weak. And I do know we are going downhill fast. Midterms can't get here soon enough. All right. Hey, stay with us. Do you remember what happened in Waukesha, Wisconsin? There's a good chance you don't because it's been so underplayed by the media. A madman, probably motivated by black identity extremism, drove and hit six people, killed them at a Christmas Day parade. Well, his trial is underway right now, and it is quite the spectacle. He is defending himself. Stay with us. Uh, with all the talk of nuclear, uh, it occurred to me that Joe Biden is radioactive. Nobody in his party wants to be seen with him. He is politically radioactive. Uh, everybody knows it. He stinks. And uh, here he is on the stage today in Poughkeepsie, New York, with all of his friends. <laughs> Zero. You know, when you usually do these things, you got like 100 people behind you. You know, you got kids, you got community leaders. But look at Joe just kind of wandering around by himself. Now, he's in Poughkeepsie, New York. And I would think it might be appropriate for Joe to say something about what happened there last weekend. Poughkeepsie, New York, there's a beautiful university called Marist College. A father visiting on family day was shot and killed at a nearby hotel. He went to the lobby for a cup of coffee while he was visiting his kid at Marist College, and he was caught up in the crossfire between two gangbangers. It's totally insane. 
We are seeing insane violence in this country today. Did you hear about the stabbing uh, the strip in Las Vegas? Yeah, just before noon, two people dead, six injured, some guy running around with a kitchen knife. And in Merced, California, this is totally bizarre, but it happened. A man abducts an entire family, zip ties them, uh, mother, father, children, takes them to some location, kills them, burns up the car, and a total family is destroyed. Destroyed. There they are. The suspect is, uh, well, he's one bad-looking dude with quite a record. Quite a record indeed. And then today in New York City, a great woman, an EMT, an emergency medical technician, a lieutenant in the New York City Fire Department, was laid to rest. She was stabbed to death during her lunch break at 2.30 in the afternoon. Some guy stabbed her. Random attack. These things are happening. And Joe Biden, to this day, pretends that he did not support defund the police. Oh, yes, he did. Whenever they say he didn't, he's lying. They're lying. Take a look. Here's the proof. They become the enemy. They're supposed to be protecting these people. So my generic point is but that do we agree that we can redirect some of the funding. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. He's talking to a guy with ALS, by the way. Yes, absolutely. Redirecting the funding. That's what defunding the police is all about. Take it from the police and give it to social services. Yes, absolutely. This happened. It's part of the public record. Anyway, Joe, he's only interested in crime when he can exploit it. See, he wanted nothing to do with Poughkeepsie today. But remember, Joe and Kamala literally went running down to Atlanta when they thought they could frame those spa shootings on a white supremacist. Law enforcement told them that's not the case, but they went anyway. In Buffalo, there was a mass shooting. And apparently the kid watched Tucker Carlson once three years ago and they tried to say, you see, it was a conservative the guy hated everybody. Conservatives, he, was, he, he liked AOC, he hated AOC, he was all over the map because he's crazy. Yet Joe did not want to talk about and did not visit Boulder, Colorado in the aftermath of a terrorist attack that killed 10 people that was carried out, we believe, by an Islamic extremist. You see how he picks and chooses? Yet when a white person opens fire in Highland, uh, Illinois, yeah, right away from the White House, a significant statement. Look, all of these events deserve presidential attention, but he's very selective. For instance, Waukesha. Remember when that madman drove through the Christmas parade, killed six people, allegedly. Well, we know the people are dead, and there they are, a little boy all the way up to folks in their 80s. Well, he's the accused. Oh, and right now the trial is underway, and uh, it's a mess. He's defending himself. Take a look. No, you may not, sir. You need to file a motion in order to do that. Um, um, so, Mr. Brooks, I filed haven't even been uh, responded to. I gave. Uh, Mr. Brooks, you're interrupting me no, yet you, again. You just weren't speaking, All right, so I, I Mr. Interrupt. Brooks, you are now going to be removed to the other courtroom. We are back on the record. Appearances are as they were before. I need to make a record that at. 8.42 a.m., this court ordered Mr. Brooks be removed from the courtroom due to repeated uh, interruptions. And I also want to make a record that Mr. Brooks has put his shirt back on. He continues to sit with his back to the camera. 
charges that Darrell E. Brooks on or about Sunday, November 21 of 2021 on Main Street in the city of Waukesha, Waukesha County, Wisconsin. Well, we'll see what the jury says ultimately. So criminality is flourishing. And as far as the morals of America, well, take a look. There's no one-size-fits-all puberty experience. If you're trans, intersex, or non-binary, know that you're not the only one feeling confused. I have always been confused by non-binary and the other stuff, too. This is from Planned Parenthood, and it's a message for kids. For some intersex people, puberty may start later than age 14. You might experience some of puberty's changes and not others, and your body may or may not go through puberty on its own. There are medicines you can take to help your body start the process, like hormone replacement therapy. Some people decide on hormones or surgeries to help their bodies match up to their gender identity or how they feel inside about themselves. Hormone replacement therapy. Sure, kids, check it out. Just uh, go for it, right? If you're feeling down, puberty is a confusing time, period. I don't even like the word, by the way, but it's, it happens. What happened next? Your gender identity is real. You should be the one to decide what changes you want to make to your body. If you're transgender or non-binary, you may find that your puberty experiences don't line up with your gender identity or how you see yourself. That feeling can be uncomfortable, scary, and stressful. That's okay. That's life. But no, there's a radical medication for all of this. If that sounds like you, know that you're not alone. There are medicines you can take to delay puberty for a while. They're called puberty blockers, and they work like a stop sign by halting the hormones testosterone and estrogen that cause puberty changes like facial hair growth and periods. Puberty blockers are safe and can give you more time to figure out what feels right for you, your body, and your gender identity. You don't have to have all of the answers right now. So remember, it's all a work in progress, and it may take time to figure out what feels right to you, but talking to a trusted adult and a nurse or doctor may help. A trusted adult, like some teacher, substitute or otherwise, or a doctor. What about a parent? What about a parent? And by the way, these things, you can't say they're safe. There are too many unknowns. Let's actually listen to what a physician says about puberty blockers. I feel a responsibility as a physician to be honest about puberty blockers and hormonal therapy in teenagers. This can lead to infertility. And I don't know if that's really well known, um, that means that you would never be able to have your own children. It really is important to go through puberty at your normal sex, as your normal sex, and at your normal rate, and not arrest that process. Um, give your body time to complete the process before you start changing things that could have long-term um, implications. I'm going to go with the doctor on this. How about you? Not that silly cartoon from Planned Parenthood. All right, take a look at this. It happened in Tennessee about a year and a half ago or so. These are pro-life activists. They don't like abortion, and they were outside an abortion clinic, apparently. Does that look all that bad to you? Certainly, it doesn't, actually. It looks like they're, I don't know, waiting for class to start. And they rounded up the people. I mean, there were all kinds of cops there. I mean, heavy duty SWAT teams and everything. Uh, and there were several arrests and now an indictment, a federal indictment. Take a look. Uh, and 
quite frankly, again, they were just peacefully sitting in the hallway. 11 defendants indicted for obstructing a reproductive health services facility in Tennessee. Uh, The indictment returned by a federal grand jury alleges that they engaged in a conspiracy to prevent the clinic from providing and patients from receiving reproductive health services, a.k.a. abortions. If convicted of the offenses, each face up to a maximum of 11 years in prison, three years of supervised release and fines of up to $350,000. Does this seem fair? I mean, I have seen liberals burn cities to the ground and not go to jail. And also, in in terms of behavior in federal buildings, take a look at this. (laughs) These are Uh, live images, folks. That's uh, the CNN anchor. In 2018, this uh, this looks like they might be obstructing the doorway, doesn't it? <laughs> What's worse, this scene or these people just chilling in a hallway? Who's facing 11 years in jail? These people are. Can you believe it? Totally, totally unjust. Stay with us. You know, Joe Biden uh, let the F word fly on television. All right, not the biggest deal in the world, but the hypocrisy from the media and the double standard when we come back. Is, is that, that the fake, fake news just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, do they? Yeah. All right, who remembers yesterday, not long ago, when Joe Biden was caught on a hot mic using the F word, talking all tough, nobody S with the Biden, right? Well, uh, everybody in the media kind of, eh, that's just kind of cute, isn't it? I'll get to that in a moment, but do you remember when Donald Trump sometimes let a bad word fly? Remember the outrage? Ooh, it was so acute. Developing overnight, President Trump's profanity making waves all across the world. Donald Trump uses profane and vulgar language in public. And President Trump profanity laced is ratcheting it up his campaign rallies as the 2020 election heats up. All right. Big news. Breaking news. Oh, all over the world. It has effects, right? The F word, this word. He didn't do it all that often, but whatever. He's not a politician. Remember, Joe Biden returned to norms. All right. How do they treat his uh, situation yesterday? President Biden caught on a hot mic during his trip to Florida to see the damage from Hurricane Ian. He's talking here to the mayor of Fort Myers Beach. Someday we'll learn the context of that. The president also making an effort on that trip to put politics aside, standing with the Republican governor, Ron DeSantis, even calling the governor's response to the hurricane, quote, pretty remarkable. <laughs> Someday we'll know the whole story. <laughs> Back to the news. Interesting, right? You see the difference? Uh, I wonder if they're ever conscious of it. All right, take a look at this. Who's the opposite? Do you want your house back? Take it! On January 6th of last year, it was completely legal, constitutional within the law to raise objections on the floor of the House of Representatives about the election of 2020. There's a law, actually, the Electoral Count Act of 1887. And under that law, you are allowed to object, and there's a procedure to do so. And many of us thought that Vice President Pence had more power at his discretion than he realized. 
you know, this is a big law. It's a little bit complicated. It's open to interpretation, right? These things make it to the Supreme Court all the time. It's very interesting that they want to change this law now to prevent anyone from ever objecting again on January 6th in a similar manner. Now, let's go through their proposal, okay? This is important. This is very interesting, in my opinion. Number one, the Electoral Count Act of 1887 should be amended to prevent other future unlawful efforts to overturn presidential elections and to ensure future peaceful transfers of presidential power. Now, what they're saying is the law, they don't realize this, but the law itself allowed for what happened on January 6th to happen. Not the protests, I'll get to those in a minute, but the activity on the floor of the House of Representatives was totally authorized by the Electoral Count Act of 1887. And yes, Vice President Pence had, we believe, more authority than he chose to exert on that day. Also, in this proposal, quite frankly, this is a lie, uh, the new proposal on the law, they called January 6th the single most deadly attack on the Capitol by domestic forces in the history of the United States. Well, I think a proposed law should be banned right away when you lie in the law and it's so easily proved. Uh, take a look at this. In, in the 1950s, some maniac uh, opened fire within the House of Representatives and actually shot five members of Congress. In 1998 on Capitol Hill, two Capitol Hill police officers were shot and killed by another deranged lunatic. All right. Now, there's one more provision we have to talk about in their proposal. Let's put that up on the screen, please. The Electoral Contact of 1887 should be amended to prevent other future unlawful efforts to overturn presidential elections and to ensure future peaceful transfers of presidential power. Unlawful efforts to overturn? No, there was nothing unlawful about what happened to initiate a discussion, a conversation to send some of these electoral votes back to state capitals. Remember, it was tried by the Congressional Black Caucus in 2000. Member after member, uh, I believe this is Congressman Al C. Hastings, stood up and said, I object. The problem for him and other Democrats, they could not get a senator to sign on. You need one House member, one senator. No senator would step forward. Fast forward to 2017, uh, Jamie Raskin, a new member of the House of Representatives from Florida, came forward, objected, could not get a senator to join him. The, the objection could not proceed. That changed in 2021. Congressman Gosar was joined by a United States Senator Ted Cruz. I, Paul Gosar from Arizona. For what Store. purpose does the gentleman from Arizona rise? I rise up for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object to the uh, counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. Uh, is the objection in writing and signed by a senator? Yes, it is. It is. Totally lawful. And I want to go back to their proposed change, okay, how they want to amendment. On January 6th, a 2021, uh, a mob professing support for then-President Trump violently attacked the United States Capitol in an effort to prevent a joint session of Congress from certifying the electoral college votes designated Joseph R. Biden, the 46th president of the United States. And this is where it gets very interesting. To prevent the certification? No. No, 
They were trying to prevent the electoral debate that had been started by Gosar and Cruz. That's what they wanted to stop. So Gosar and Cruz stand up at 1.12 in the afternoon, okay? Now, that's when the objections were initiated. Now, what happened at around that time? What was happening outside? Well, the little cop was aggressively waving protesters onto Capitol Hill. Do you remember that? Okay, this happened. Why? Why? Why were the police officers standing on either side of that hallway just letting people inside? Not to stop the certification, but to stop the debate, to stop the objections. It started at 112. Do you remember when Ashley Babbitt was killed? It was at 2.22 in the afternoon. Those cops just decided to take a coffee break, right? At 2.44, she's killed. They open fire. And with a dead woman right outside the House of Representatives, there's no way you're going to hear objections. No way. You're just going to want to get it over with. Just get it over with. One day we'll have the whole story. And coming up... Is it really a good idea for half of America to be high on weed? We don't think so. More in a moment. All right. Smoking marijuana. It seems like everybody is doing it. And, uh, well, more people are going to be allowed to do it. It's on the ballot in several states uh, in the midterms, yeah, uh, legalizing uh, recreational use of marijuana on the ballot in several states. And if they pass it, well, they'll join the pretty big list of states so far where you can go ahead and smoke. Smoke marijuana. It's essentially legal. And that's what it seems like to me. And Joe Biden, I believe, decriminalized it. We'll have more on Joe Biden's announcement in a moment. But first, Jordan Davidson joins us. He's the communications and legislative affairs officer for Smart Approaches to Marijuana. Welcome, Jordan. And before we go into the details of what's coming up and what happened today, what is the smartest approach to marijuana? Well, Greg, firstly, thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to come on. And so the smartest approach to marijuana really isn't to fully legalize it, to commercialize it, as you mentioned, um, you know, is being voted on in several states this election. And it's not to fully prohibit it and, and, and ban it and throw someone in prison just for a joint. What it really is, is to lower criminal penalties for low level possession so that if you're a 15 year old kid and caught with a joint in your pocket, you get direct to treatment. Uh, you don't necessarily uh, get a criminal record, um, but you're not also setting up this addiction for profit machine that we call the marijuana industry. That's what it is. Pot shops on every corner, more pot shops in, in, in places like Seattle and Denver than Starbucks and McDonald's combined. That's a recipe for disaster for public health and public safety. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the harmful effects of marijuana. Having tried it a handful of times in my life, I had a horrible experience each time. Uh, that's anecdotal, I know. But I am told that pot is more potent than ever before. And it can lead to all kinds of things that folks are not recognizing or at least allowing for in this public debate. 
Yeah, Greg, you're absolutely right. And I actually have that personal experience, that negative experience. Uh, this December, I'll be reaching four years of sobriety, I'm grateful to say. I struggled with a cannabis use disorder. I was using the high-potency THC vapes. You know, today, THC, the ingredient, the compound in marijuana that gets you high, that gets you intoxicated, it's at levels of 99% potency in products sold today on legal markets. In the 1970s, it was only 2 to 5%. That's like the difference between a light beer and vodka. It's supercharged marijuana. And so what it's doing is it's increasing the rate of addiction from what used to be one in 10 to now one in three. And it's causing a whole host of, of mental and physical health problems. We're seeing eight point drops in IQ over time. We're seeing increased rates of psychosis and addiction um, and even things like, um, you know, starting the onset of schizophrenia. So it's really becoming a more dangerous drug. Um, and it's not what it used to be. It's, it's not your father's. It's not your grandmother's weed. Joe Biden today. Um, I think this is a negative message, but you're the expert. I'd like to show you what he did. And I'm sure you're aware of this, but let's take a look. First, I'm announcing a pardon for all prior federal offense, federal offenses for the simple possession of marijuana. There are thousands of people who are convicted for marijuana possession who may be denied employment, housing, or educational opportunities as a result of that conviction. My pardon will remove this burden on them. Second, I'm calling on all governors to do the same for state marijuana possession offenses. Third, the federal government currently classifies marijuana as a Schedule I substance, the same as heroin and LSD, and more serious than fentanyl. It makes no sense. So I'm asking the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the attorney general to initiate a process to review how marijuana is scheduled under federal law. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, some of that might be valid and warranted. And, uh, you know, a, a marijuana possession thing doesn't seem like it should follow you for the rest of your life. But hearing the president talk like that to me, it's tantamount to legalization. They have essentially taken uh, prosecution off the table, even if they say they technically haven't. That's how it feels. I mean, there's got to be some reason why you smell it almost everywhere you go in certain cities. Yeah, absolutely. So what the president didn't do today was he didn't legalize marijuana. He didn't decriminalize marijuana. He just pardoned um, at the federal level uh, charges for simple marijuana possession. And what's really important to understand here, Greg, is that he pardoned uh, offenses from the years 1992 to 2021. And in that course of time, in 30 years, three decades, the charges only applied to 6,500 individuals across all 50 states. You know, the, the, the legalizers, the, the pro-marijuana kind of lobby has uh, tried to convince the public that there are people sitting, rotting away in federal prison for their entire lives just for having a joint or a baggie of weed in their pocket. And that's patently not true. And President Biden proved that today uh, by, by his pardon and by stating that only 6,500 people will be affected by it. And the second portion of this is that a senior administration official actually said that today there is no one sitting in federal prison who is there only for a simple marijuana possession charge. And that's yeah. really significant. So no one's going to be getting out of prison because of, of, the, of this pardon today. Well, um, when Bill de Blasio and his police commissioner at the time, Bill Bratton, held up a great big bag of pot and let everybody know how much they could carry around without getting busted, um, yet you could still technically not smoke it, it just sent the message that everybody could smoke. I guess there's a danger here in people 
misinterpreting what the president said, because, again, you know, it, to me, it was like it's essentially legalized coast to coast. I know he didn't say that. Are you at all concerned with the messaging? Well, the one thing I'll, I will say that that we are concerned with, and and we just like some more clarification and information from from the DOJ and the White House on this, is we're concerned that there are potentially people who were arrested and charged with kind of increased uh, or or worse criminal penalties, for example, drug trafficking or drug distribution yeah. or cultivation, and we're concerned that those people could have potentially pled down to a simple marijuana possession charge. We don't know if that's the case, but you know we certainly don't want people sitting in prison or, or having a record following them for the rest of their life just for having a joint in their pocket. Right. But we also certainly don't want to let people go who, who are drug dealers. Jordan Davidson, thank you very much from uh, Smart Approaches to Marijuana. Thank you. We'll be right back. Well, take a look at this. Is this um, an avant-garde theater in Greenwich Village? No, it's a high school in Iowa with a drag show. What is up with these drag shows? Men dressing as women and showing up in schools all over the country. It boggles the mind. It boggled the mind of our next guest. Her name is Kimberly Rikes. She was so flabbergasted. She went to the school board meeting and she thought, you know, to show how absurd it is, maybe she'd give a little performance. How ridiculous is that? It actually is a pretty interesting way to make a point. Listen to what happened at the meeting. Does this outfit seem appropriate for anybody here to see? Because if this makes your head turn, if this pisses you off, then it's strict. This is what the man dressed like in front of our kids. So this makes your head spit. This pisses you off in any way, shape, or form. It should. Because I'm embarrassed to stand here in the outfit that I am in today, but I have a point to prove, and that is that this outfit should not be ever accepted in our schools anyway. Damn, she was good. All right, we now are going to meet Kimberly Reich. She's standing by, uh, joining us. She's the founder of Iowa Mama Bears, a parental rights activist. Nice job, very creative. Um, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. Hey, before we talk about what happened uh, there, why do these schools have these performances? They're happening at, happening at grammar schools, middle schools, high schools. What is the alleged value in this? Why are they doing this? That is the same question I ask myself every single day when I see videos like this across the nation. And when I saw it coming into my own hometown, I was appalled. I was like, how do we get this out of our schools? How can this be in our schools? And I'm just like, you know what? We got to do something about it. So I fought fire with fire. And hopefully that gets the attention of our school board so they will answer questions. Now, as a woman, you... Uh... You dressed, I mean, it may not have been a little bit risque, but you are a woman and, uh, you know, it, it, it works. Uh, I, I don't know why I'm making that observation, but, uh, you know, you're a woman in women's clothing and that's fine. But at a school board meeting, it's a little bit. So what was the reaction? 
Um, they actually didn't say a word, but there was one lady that was standing behind me, um, very upset, um, very vulnerable towards me and saying that I shouldn't be dressed like this in the school. And I'm like, of course I shouldn't. That's exactly my point. What I'm wearing in this school is wrong and it needs to be addressed in our school board violated the very dress code that they put into place by allowing this guy to come into our school and perform the way he did in the outfit he was in in front of our minor children. I mean, there's children in this drag queen show as young as 12 years old, like watching this. And you can even see a little girl still in pigtails, front row and center as a guy bends over in front of her. All right. So we have a letter from the school. I'd like to put it up on the screen. Um, they say this was a club event, essentially, as part of the Gay Straight Alliance Club's end of year meeting. Performers from the Central Iowa Youth Pride pageant were invited to share a drag performance. Um, and it. Uh, all right. Next slide. It was not approved by the building administration and it's currently under investigation. How do you feel about this statement? And uh, they say it's a club thing. And uh, does that satisfy anybody? Uh, no, at least it doesn't me. Um, it was they actually put that out on May 24th of this year. And we're here in October and they still have not told us parents what happened with the investigation. They didn't tell us if there was any repercussions yeah. on the teachers. They didn't tell us that they put any new plans into place to ensure that um, this kind of guy can't walk, just walk into our school at right. any given time. And another thing that they didn't do is they didn't apologize for. For anything, and they just try to brush it under the rug. Well, and I refuse to let them do that. And you did it in spectacular fashion. To be continued, everybody should go to iowamamabears.com. iowamamabears.com. Great job. I'm impressed. Thank you very much, Kimberly. And we'll be Thank back. Thank you. All right, back by popular demand, my daughter. So friends, family, distant relatives are like, what has gotten into you? Well, fatherhood has gotten into me and concern for my family's future, especially uh, this young lady and her younger sister, Madeline. Uh, by the way, she's very, very advanced. And before you know it, she's going to be, you know, in school and they're going to be suggesting all kinds of things. And I'm I'm worried about it. But in the meantime, we're having a good time. Isn't this cool? She's going to go down and then back up. Watch, 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 watch. I wasn't doing this at two and a half, I don't think. I'm climbing at the slide. Huh? I'm climbing at the slide. I love how she narrates her activities. She does it all day long, no matter what she's doing, you know. I am eating an apple. I am looking at daddy. Uh, so that explains a lot of what I'm doing today. Hope you enjoyed it. To be continued, we'll see you tomorrow.